Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody. Welcome to LettermanRoll.com. I am Jeremy Birmingham. This is Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast, brought to you by Letterman Row and our good friends at Byers Auto. If you're looking for an auto, go to BuyersAuto.com. If you're looking for Ohio State Recruiting Stuff, stay right here as myself, Zach Carpenter, and Andrew Ellis begin breaking down the biggest stories of the week, including a huge upcoming visit weekend for the Buckeyes as they welcome in Penn State for a Saturday night showdown. So let's get to the show. We're back. I'm back. I'm Berm. That's Andrew. That's Zach. We're here talking stuff about Ohio State football recruiting. Last week, guys, when we finished up the show, we said that we didn't think it'd be long until Avery Henry committed to Ohio State after he was offered, like, while we were recording the the, uh, episode last week. And then two days later, about 36 hours, he committed to Ohio State. Andrew, as our, like, resident offensive tackle recruiting expert, what is it that you – like when you did you watch Avery Henry's tape and what did you see and what changed your mind between, hey, this kid is an absolute flyer slash project to wait a second, maybe there's something there. Well, I used to play guard when I played midget football in like fourth grade. But um, as far as Avery Henry goes, I mean, I think anybody that, you know, sees the star ranking and everything and the offer sheet, I mean, he's a project type. But like when you look at some of those other three star guys that Ohio State's gotten over the last few cycles, he's kind of a different body type. You know, he's, he's definitely more, he looks more like a college ready offensive lineman right now. And part of that's due to his hundred pound weight loss or whatever it's been. Um, but I mean, he's a project type. He's not somebody who's going to play in two years. He's somebody who's going to play in maybe three to four years. But when I saw some of the more recent photos of him, um, I came away actually fairly impressed to be honest. Zach, I mean, for you, I mean, we, we talk about this all the time about the offensive line, and recruiting it, it is a developmental position. There are very few instances in Ohio State history where a player who's an offensive lineman comes in and plays early, let alone plays meaningful minutes early. Um, you know, this year we have Donovan Jackson, obviously, who was a five-star player and pretty much labeled as a can't-miss recruit uh, by most people. You had Michael Jordan, who was a product of just immense need for Ohio State in the class of 2016. Then you have to go all the way back to Orlando Pace to find a guy that played as a freshman and played significantly. So is it unrealistic to think that offensive tackles have to be like college ready? Or is it make sense that you're looking for a, a body type and a athletic profile that you can develop? Yeah. And I think Paris Johnson was the next guy up who we all thought maybe he could be that first year player and uh, carving out a starting role in his second year. But like you guys said, I mean, offensive linemen, Offensive line is a position that's the hardest to evaluate at the high school level, and it probably has the biggest miss rate as far as um, high four-star guys, five-star guys uh, who don't wind up panning out potentially in college. Um, and I get it, though, like why some people might be disappointed in back-to-back seasons that they're bringing in uh, another three-star developmental guy after missing out on a five-star. I mean, last year it was J.C. Latham. This year... Um, it's Keontae Goodwin, drink, Andrew. Um, and uh, we, uh, 
where that's the that's the the talking stuff uh drinking game bingo card um but yeah when when you see avery henry he does have that skill set that yes and it's going to take three four years to get him on the on the field but you see him a six seven 305 pounds and you hear that you hear that size and you think well he's just going to be a big big hoss like um and you see him he's he's pretty cut up i mean he doesn't look like uh that like that typical um lineman that you would that you would think of when uh, looking at his size and i i if you're going to take a shot on a, a kid i think this is kind of the perfect guy to to take a shot on because of uh the work i think that he's put in um he lost like andrew alluded to he lost 85 pounds over the course of two seasons and i think berm you're familiar with the story obviously too uh, if you want to take it from here just two years ago ohio state told him this is what you need to do and he did it yeah, and that's what they wanted. That's what Ryan Day said a week ago when he was asked about offensive line recruiting and how sometimes you have to take a flyer on a kid. And I, I understand it, as Zach said, like, I think it's important for people to have high expectations. You're a fan of Ohio State. We, you cover Ohio State recruiting. The expectation is that every single player Ohio State, Ohio State signs should be a top five or ten player at their position. That's, I mean, it's unfortunately become reality in the last decade because of whatever Meyer did on the recruiting trail and what uh, Ryan Day has done since. But short-term memory loss is a real problem for people, I think, because think about the disappointment when, when Dewan Jones was recruited. Think about people questioning and shaking their heads when Thayer Munford was offered late in the cycle. Uh, you know, just uh, uh, just those two are, are recently in the last couple of years, but there's been other guys that you just look at and you go, okay, well, maybe this isn't what we thought we were going to end up with. But the Buckeyes coaching staff gets paid a, a butt ton of money to figure out how these guys play in it. And everyone knows that when these kids commit, I ask for comparisons from what the Ohio State folks think this kid's ceiling could be. I, I want to know, who do you think, who do you see when you watch this kid? And it's probably going to surprise people when they hear it, but the name that I was told was Avery Henry was Taylor Decker. And I think Obviously, that's a high-end projection when you're talking about a late first-round pick. But if that's how Ohio State sees his potential, then how do you not be excited for him? I mean, that's that's a pretty lofty comparison. I mean, I hope they're right about that. When, Whenever Meyer arrived and kind of taking Taylor Decker away from Notre Dame was maybe the, one of the biggest moves that he made early on in his tenure. So if that's the case, then, I mean, I don't think anybody's going to complain about that. Yeah, and Zach, I mean, no one's saying he is Taylor Decker, of course, let's be clear. But they're thinking and what they see is that, hey, this kid potentially could, with his athleticism and his size, be that type of player. Yeah, and there's obviously, again, there's disappointment in bringing in another three-star developmental guy. Um, and he does have that potential. You got you take a guy who has that uh, sort of the, I guess, low floor, but uh, potentially high ceiling. And... I asked Ryan Day today, like about the high profile five-star misses. And he had also talked before last week about sort of the dangers. You don't want to take too many of those three-star developmental guys, especially at offensive line. Um, you don't want to take too many of those guys. And he referenced today, Thayer Munford and Dewan Jones. And that's well, that's all well and good. Those guys have turned out to be huge home runs. I mean, massive home runs, uh, in size and success, but for every one of those guys, you also have on the offensive line guys like Gavin Cup or Ryan Jacoby, or um, it's too early to to um, 
say what the uh, the payoff is on these guys, but Zen Mahalski, Trey LaRue, Jacob James, those guys uh, in the past two classes. So for every home run you get, you probably have two misses on some of these developmental guys. So I, I am, I think a little higher on, than most on Avery Henry, but, um, but it, it's, I think the, I think the uh, misses on development on those developmental prospects is probably further outweighing the, the hits, yeah. but also you have to bring in these type of guys for, for depth, for depth in his program builders, don't you? Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing. We talk about the new age of college football. And if you bring in three, five-star offensive linemen from around the country, you know, it's different. Obviously, if you have a kid from Ohio, you get a, you probably get an extra year of just loyalty out of a guy uh, if he's not playing or if he doesn't pan out. But if you bring in a five-star offensive lineman from, uh, I don't know, Alabama or wherever, um, Illinois, pick, pick a spot and they don't work out and they're not playing in their first two years because it is a developmental position. That guy's probably not going to stick around for year four and five. So then you have to worry about this other whole thing. And it, roster management and roster building is important. You have to find ways to balance those three and out guys with those four and five year guys. I want to make it very clear. It is better to have five stars at any position. It's better to have five stars. I feel like we're, hey, we're this, isn't bold, this isn't bold predictions here, Zach. <laughs> this is okay. We, we get it. Andrew, why are three stars better than five stars? Oh, wow. Um, maybe because there's a, there's a, um, the likelihood of another program trying to flip them isn't quite as high. See, another, another bonus point. <laughs> Obviously, again, this is interesting though, because Avery Henry was committed to Iowa State. He's committed to a top 15 program in the country, committed to a, one of the most successful and well-liked and well-respected college coaches in the country who saw him and identified him very early and offered him before a lot of other teams did. I don't know why Avery Henry at six foot seven, 305 pounds only has seven offers. I don't know why, uh, uh, you know, but again, maybe this is a COVID situation. A year ago, nobody got to see a kid play. The last time anyone saw him, he was six foot six, 400 pounds. So it's like, oh, okay, maybe people do change uh, between their age 16 and age 18. And I think the Buckeyes are just getting away with an opportunity here to, you know, pull up, pull the rug out from Matt Campbell and win one there. And the important thing, guys, is that they don't have to be done recruiting offensive linemen right now. They have Tegra Shabola, who's a top 40 player now after recent updates and rankings. They have George Fitzpatrick, who's a very athletic offensive tackle. And again, a kid, because he's from Colorado, may not get the love that some of the other kids do in this class. Uh, and now you add uh, Avery Henry, and then you still take mighty, mighty swings this weekend as the Penn State weekend comes around at your top two probably remaining targets or the two most likely targets still in Ernest Green and Carson Hinsman, who are both expected to be on campus. And, you know, bottom line, I think that as you look at this big upcoming weekend, and we're going to do a second show later this week on just visitors. So I don't want to dive too much into those because we got other stuff to talk about. But um, the Buckeyes aren't done at offensive line. And it's not like there was a concession and you say, oh, well, I guess we got to take this three star because we we can't get anyone else. They're, they're still working. Yes. And that's I mean, that's a point that has to be made here is that they are still looking for that fourth offensive lineman. And if Ernest Green and uh, visits this weekend, I think we'll know a lot better um, where where they're sitting, uh, where Ohio State sits in that recruitment, obviously. Um, and with with, uh, with Avery Henry, I lost my place there. Um, uh, just talking about bringing in those guys. Yeah, Avery Henry, that's what I was going to say. It's just um, 
you don't want to, you take him now because you don't want to risk that if you do wind up losing out on both green and Hensman, that it's mid December and they're two, three days away from signing day or whatever the case may be. And you have to offer him late and then you're not going to get him at that point. Um, I think that kind of saw a similar situation with Terrence Rankle last year, obviously different stories. And I think they'd already had Zed Mahalski in the class, but you don't want to wait too long to, to take a guy like Avery Henry um, before it's too late. Yeah, and Andrew, as you look at it, I mean, we've talked for months about the goal for Ohio State in this class four months ago was to take three offensive linemen. Um, that has drawn a lot of consternation from folks on the interwebs because no one understands why that would be the number. Um, and I don't necessarily agree that that should be the number. I know you don't either. There's no way, and I want to put this out here, if both Carson Hensman and Ernest Green want in the class for the Buckeyes, they will take five offensive linemen in this class. And I know that's what you want them to do, right? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's a handful of guys that they can't say no to at several different positions and Ernest Green and, and Carson Hensman are two of those on the offensive line. And I don't know. I just think some of the people that see this commitment, they think you've got a couple of big name guys that are still coming into town for their visits. And they just kind of look at the timing of it all. And maybe they feel like, does this mean Ohio State doesn't feel like they're in a good spot for these other guys? And yeah. I don't necessarily think that's the case. I think it kind of goes back to what Zach said about, you know, not being able to wait around until mid-December because then it's too late. And, um, you know, they, they set a goal for the kid. He met the goal. And, you know, here he is. Now he's in the class. So, yeah, and, and we can go down the rabbit hole with offensive line recruiting. There obviously is still the conversation about, Keontae Goodwin and him telling people that he plans or wants to make an official visit when Ohio State plays Michigan State. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm I just going to believe it. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where I, I've said my piece on the Keontae Goodwin thing. I just don't think it's going to work out for him and the Buckeyes. Maybe desperation for Ohio State to have a tackle like that on the roster, knowing that Thayer Munford and Nick Petit Frere are going to be gone after this year, knowing that Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones. I mean, Dewan Jones could leave after this year if he wanted to. So you and he's playing as good as anybody in the country. So it, it may put the Buckeyes in a position where some pride swallowing happens, uh, maybe that they weren't anticipating. But that's why if Keontae Goodwin wants to visit and he and he's the one initiating it, I think you just have to let him and let the chips fall where they may, right? Andrew? Yeah. Because I know <laughs> um, it's Keontae Goodwin, Zach. I'm sorry, we have to let him, we have to let him talk about it. Look at him blushing. It's like he gets off a Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's if if they if they let him visit, I think they're going to have to have the thought that if he's going to visit, he's going to end up in the class because they're not they went through all that stuff with him not believing what they were telling him about the visits coming back up or whatever, leading up to the Kentucky commitment. And I, I don't know, this is the kind of guy that they've missed on so often that it's just strange that they're handling it the way they are. But at the same time, that's a whole other conversation that we could talk about. Yeah. Perhaps. I, I, and I want to wrap this up before I throw it to you, Zach, but I mean, you can tell me if I'm wrong. I know you spent more time with, with Keontae in the last couple of months uh, than I have. My impression here is that if Ohio State is going to find a way to, as I said, swallow pride, but also then turn around and win that battle to pull a kid from Kentucky who's committed to Kentucky. The only way they win that is if Ryan Day himself goes all in on Keontae Goodwin and does a lot of the heavy lifting on his own, right? 100%. Um, I think I, I believe maybe I'm wrong, but I believe I was the first one uh, a couple months ago 
to say that Keontae Goodwin is planning on taking his official visit to Ohio State. And that, but I also followed up in the message boards with, I don't think that visit happens. I mean, I think I, I was giving it like a three out of 10 chance that it would happen, 10 being the highest, and then like a 1.5 or two out of 10 that he actually flips to Ohio State. And you're absolutely right. I think it would take, um, it would take Ryan Day being the one to push the envelope there. Uh, I, I think there might be, it, it might be a, a bridge that's already been burned a little bit. And I kind of think that's why he hasn't taken that official visit. He visited in the summer for a couple hours. And uh, I, I just don't think that was enough to, to sway things, obviously. And he's, he just took a, an official visit to Alabama and um, kind of under the impression that an Alabama official visit and a Kentucky official visit are the only ones he winds up going on at this point is, is what I predict. I just, I don't see it happening with Keontae Goodwin to Ohio State. If he does come here, then if the visit goes extremely well, then maybe we start kind of changing our tune on that. But at, at right yeah. now, I, I'm with you. I don't see it. Yeah, and I don't know what happens. I mean, again, there's Michigan State who says he wants to visit, Ohio State who says he wants to visit. We, we've heard the rumors, like if Mel Tucker ends up taking the job at LSU, for example, watch LSU become a spot he goes and visit. He's got a really good relationship with Tucker and that staff. And so you just don't know. But bottom line is, and, and this will wrap the offensive line recruiting stuff, the Buckeyes know what they're doing. And uh, they, at this point, are comfortable with the three they have. And they're going to swing for the fences with Hinsman and Green and see what happens. I, I'm a believer that they are in the best position to land Carson Hinsman right now. And I think that as long as Ernest Green visits and that visit is on as of Tuesday night, um, I, I don't see the Georgia push being something the Buckeyes can't overcome based on the relationships they have at St. John Bosco uh, and the relationship they've had with Ernest Green for the last two years. So uh, we'll, we'll move on from the offensive line and let's talk about the defensive line because that is, uh, you know, I said we're going to do a visitor preview later in the week, but I think it's impossible to not talk about the defensive line group that's expected at Ohio State this weekend because it's so vital to the entirety of the 2022 class. Obviously, Kenyatta Jackson committed last week. He became the first commitment in the class of 2022 on the defensive line. This weekend, as Ohio State hosts Penn State, Hero Canoe will take an official visit. Marvin Jones Jr. is expected to take an official visit. Caden Curry is expected to be back in town. Uh, Christian Miller is expected to be back in town. As you start to look at, at this upcoming weekend, it seems like that has the one spot where the class can really go from where it is now to next level. Anybody, dive in. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Omari Abor, it's an absolutely loaded list. As far as Marvin Jones and Shamar Stewart, two guys that I'm gonna have to see it to believe it, uh, as far as whether or not they get on campus, with defensive line recruiting, obviously, yes, Kenyatta Jackson, you have uh, and you have Caden Curry and Hero Canoe, who I both believe Ohio State is still in strong position for. So, <clears throat> hypothetically, if we're looking at it, it's if you get those three guys, and then you have a spot for a fourth, potentially fifth defensive lineman. I kind of feel like, at least as we stand here today, obviously, this coming weekend with the visitors that uh, you just mentioned. It's a big weekend for potential momentum swing. But when I look at the defensive line guys, like their main targets, I don't feel great about Anai White, don't feel great about Chris McClellan. 
uh, Amari Abor, I'm not, I'm kind of in, indifferent on at this point. I think this weekend could be very telling. Christian Miller, when, when you look at it though, it, it feels like the top two targets outside of Curry and Canoe that you feel any type of a bunch of optimism, optimism for would be Christian Miller and Amari Abor. And I'm not sure if they're in great position on either of those guys. Christian Miller is one of those Georgia versus Ohio State, but I, I still get a pretty good feeling that he's going to wind up in Georgia's class. I don't know what you think, Andrew, what, uh, what you've been hearing, but I feel like outside of those three guys I was mentioning, those, it's kind of the numbers shrinking a little bit. Yeah, no, I agree. With, with Kristen Miller, I think Georgia's loading up on the defensive line already, and that's understandable given how their defense is played this year. Um, so I, I think there's like a chance Ohio State can do something there with Miller, but I, my guess would still be Georgia there. Um, you know, we talk a lot about Ohio State versus Georgia, Ohio State versus Alabama versus Clemson with these recruits all the time. And with this defensive line situation, like Texas A&M is really the other program that you have to watch because – Amari Abor, um, Eni White, Shamar Stewart, those guys, like Ohio State and Texas A&M are all in the top two or top three for all of those guys. So getting Abor back on campus is a big deal. He's kind of been all over the place a little bit just from what I've seen. But, um, yeah, this is just a massive week for the defensive line recruiting class. Let me ask you guys this, and this is, uh, this is what, it's what we're here for, to talk stuff brought to you by Byers Auto. Um, is it a big risk for Larry Johnson – on a game weekend, number one, it's a huge game. So you know the Buckeyes, have we've talked about this before, and their lack of desire to host official visits on big game weekends because of the time restrictions. But do you think that it is worth bringing in official visitors like Marvin Jones and Shamar Stewart, potentially, who are – I mean, I think we can all be fair and objective and say the Buckeyes are probably on the periphery in both of those recruitments. Like, it doesn't seem like either one of those kids is – really into being in the Buckeyes class, right? We all agree? Yeah. So is it a risk to spend any time this weekend on those kids when you have Caden Curry, Hero Canoe, Amari Abor, all making a visit, Christian Miller all visiting? Like, shouldn't those kids, the ones that you've been in on longer and harder and perhaps more in-depth, shouldn't the focus just be there? Not as long as you're honest with them about where, where you stand with each of them. Um, I, I see what you're saying where it could uh, hypothetically be a risk because you're bringing in five guys and it's like they're all st like staring at each other like a standoff or something like that, you know. I think Larry Johnson has the, has the recruiting chops and he has the, uh, he has the uh, experience to, to make it so it won't be a problem. I I don't see it as a risk as long as you uh, as long as you're honest with those guys and um, as long as the your key targets, the ones you've <clears throat> been in on the most, you have the best relationships with the guys you're highest on, as long as they know that they're being uh, prioritized the most. I don't know what you think, Andrew. I, I guess it could be a risk, but I don't necessarily see it as that. Yeah, I mean, I don't view it as a risk. You know, Mark Pantone and obviously the coaching staff, they know who their guys are. They know how to kind of allocate their time. But at the same time, I mean, you have to shoot your shot with some of these guys because we've already seen a couple of huge uh, coaching changes that are that have already happened or that are going to be happening here after the season with a guy like Ed Orgeron. So, I mean, with all the stuff that's kind of unknown as far as just what's going to happen elsewhere, I mean, you got to at least try with some of these guys like Marvin Jones Jr. and Shamar Stewart, both of which I don't, 
foresee Columbus as that much of a realistic option for either of them, but you know, why not give it your best try? Now on the flip side, because this is the way my brain works, maybe it is the fact that they're coming in for an official visit on a weekend where they know they can't get that much time. Isn't that more indication that these kids are not real targets? I think so. Mm. Maybe. Maybe just trying to get a game experience in, right? No, I mean, I think Ohio State's not going to spend their money on on the visit for these kids if they don't think that the players are good enough to play in their program. Oh, sure. But Larry Johnson is so unique in the way he recruits that maybe he's got a much better relationship with Marvin Jones Jr. and Shamar Stewart than anyone knows about because he doesn't, you know. That's very possible. He was just down in – Fort Lauderdale to see uh, last week to see Marvin Jones and Shamar Stewart and Kenyatta Jackson. So it's possible. I mean, Larry, Larry Johnson, uh, what did I say last week? He's like a renegade where he just, he, he's able to do his own thing. He's like a standalone guy. Cause that, that's what he's been doing uh, his entire uh, Ohio state career. It feels like it's possible. It's possible. Yeah. I mean, he, he does, he kind of marches to the beat of his own drum with this stuff. A lot of the times we know who the top guys are, the, Jack Sawyer or the JT Tuimaloao, but I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he's doing some kind of sneaky stuff under the radar here and maybe making a move with somebody we're not talking about so much right now. Yeah. And it just seems to be, he always has that way at the end of a cycle to have a kid that pops up and you're like, Oh, wait a second. Tyleek Williams. Tyleek Williams, Jaden McKenzie. I mean, McKenzie hasn't played out that well yet, but like nobody thought there was any chance in the world Ohio state was going to get Jaden McKenzie out of North Carolina. And then all of a sudden he visits, anonymously in November and signs with the Buckeyes three weeks later. So you just don't know with Larry. And uh, I just think it's an interesting dynamic because you do have players that are clear cut top of the line guys like Caden Curry and hero canoe uh, making this trip. And I don't know, it's, it's going to be interesting to, to watch it uh, unfold, but bottom line, it's got a really big weekend for defensive line recruiting. And we'll dive more into that uh, throughout the week because it's not just the class of 2022. I mean, there's other guys coming from every class uh, all over the country. And of course, like Sonny Styles will be in town. So we'll talk about those visitors. Uh, Sonny Styles is like in town all the time. Right. So I guess it's not really that big of a deal if he's coming into town, but he's always in town. But you guys know what I mean. You're, you're, you're picking up what I'm laying down. Um, Zach, let's take a small break and we are going to then dive into some questions uh, on the Letterman Lounge message board, part of the On3 network with Letterman Row, uh, to, I don't know, answer some cues. What do you say? A little Q&A action? I'm, I'm little, okay. All right. Fantastic. Let's take a break. We'll hear from our sponsors, and then we'll do a little Q&A. Be right back. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're back. Thank you for your patience, everyone. Uh, Zach has pulled up the Letterman Lounge. Go to lettermanrow.com. You can join us on those message boards for $10 for the first year. 
uh, and you get access to everything we talk about on that board, all of our plus material. And of course, you can also follow us here on YouTube, as many of you do. So thank you for doing that, by the way. You should make sure you rate and subscribe to our channel here as well. So you get notified when new stuff comes up. You can just hit that little bell and then they go ding and then that's like, oh, they got something neat. Uh, and, OK, I'm a rambling. Zach, tell me. Tell me the first question. And tell me, uh, let's do it. You say the question and then you say who you want to answer it, whether it's you, Andrew, or myself. I can have you both do it at the same exact time and really make some people upset. If you want I don't to do think that. that would work. No, they're already mad enough about you guys wearing hats backwards. <laughs> Are they a little Colin Coward action? Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. Austin caught the, the run to that two years ago, and he was like, oh, whoa, whoa. Whatever. I look, I look good in a backwards hat. Don't knock it. I just don't have any hair, so that's pretty much why I do it. Yeah, mine's, yeah. Mine's, mine's already starting to thin out, so that's a, that's double. I just didn't want I didn't want to admit it. All right, question time from brxlz underscore freak. There we oh. go. Buckeye related. Will the Buckeyes have any signing day drama, or do you feel good about all of the guys that have currently verbally committed? Firm, go. There is so much potential drama in this year's cycle because. It seems like more kids than ever are just visiting wherever they want to, whenever they want to. And I don't know if it's because of COVID and all these kids who missed an opportunity to make visits last year, but even just the guys that you feel like are going to be entirely locked in, the Dallin Haydens of the world, the Ryan Turners of the world, these kids have all made visits to their hometown schools. Dallin Hayden made a visit to Tennessee. He's fine. There's no worry. Ryan Turner went to Florida and Miami. You don't know what's going on in a lot of these recruitments. Terrence Brooks visiting Texas. All these kids are making visits to their hometown schools, and it does feel a little bit precarious, but this is where you have to, as an Ohio State fan, ask yourself, who has a better situation than Ohio State for 99% of these kids in the country? And the answer is no one. And that's why I think it's worth it for kids to take looks around, but I'm not entirely worried about drama as far as from the Ohio State side of things. Andrew, do you have an answer? Do you have a rebuttal? I think there's going to be some, I think there'll be some drama. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't have any specifics, but I think there's always, again, coaching changes, all that kind of stuff. Not, not at Ohio state necessarily, but elsewhere. Um, there'll be some drama. Yeah. yeah. But drama doesn't always mean like negative. I mean, it, right, exactly. talking, yeah, there could be surprises. I mean, you don't know what happens if, if, if you watched the Penn state um, press conference on Tuesday afternoon, it seems pretty clear that James Franklin is, his head is somewhere else and I don't know exactly where it is. Uh, but I think that a lot of people are beginning to take real stock in the thought that he could end up somewhere other than happy Valley next season. And if that happens, Oh boy, there's drama coming. Anyway, next question. Yeah. I, I won't ask this one because there's like three and you just hit on it. There's like three questions about drew Aller and the James Franklin situation and all that. So um, kind of a wait and see there on, on what plays out there. I uh, rapid fire Andrew first best guess on how the O line D line classes finish, which we kind of just hit on a second ago. Oh, wow. Um, for offensive line, I will say Carson Hinsman. I would have him as in, I don't feel like totally confident on that, but I'm going to put him as in right now. And let's just say you're in a screen too. I mean, they're both, they're both expected in town this week and Ohio state can make up some ground on Georgia. So if you add those two to the offensive line, that would give you, that would give you five, I guess. That's, that's a high number, but those are guys you can't turn down. Defensive line, they have one in the fold right now with Kenyatta Jackson. I think Hero Canoe is going to be in. Um, getting him back is huge. 
I will say Omari Abor, I'm not overly confident on that, but just because he's been all over the place. And then uh, Caden Curry as well. So that would be my that would be my response. I'm going to stick with the same two on the offensive line. I do. I just feel like the long-term relationship with Ernest Green uh, and the relationship again with Jason Negro out at uh, St. John Bosco is good enough to to overcome the push from Georgia. I know he has family in Georgia. I know that it's the SEC. I, I get all that. But I think if you look at this Ohio State offensive line, and right now we're thinking there's a chance that the Buckeyes could have three offensive tackles selected in the first round next year, which – I mean, that's kind of crazy, but I think it's actually a real possibility because I'm starting to really believe Dewan Jones could take off to the NFL uh, based on the way the season's gone. Uh, and I think that's going to be really appealing to kids who are maybe not connecting with Greg Studwara as personally as they'd want to, but the proof is in the pudding when it comes to uh, the offensive line development at Ohio State right now. Uh, and on the defensive line, I, I, I think Caden Curry is in. I think he's the most important recruit in the entire class remaining for Ohio State. I think Hero Canoe is going to end up in the class. And I, I just can't shake this feeling that Christian Miller is going to end up at Ohio State. And I, I, I fully understand I could be wrong, uh, but I, I think he's going to be in. And uh, Omari Abor, let me check that Magic 8 ball. Check back next week is what it says, because it's all about the relationship there. And Larry, uh, Larry Johnson and him have a good relationship, but both his mom and his dad are coming to Columbus with him for the weekend. And I think it's just about figuring out, Hey, is this where you could spend your next three or four years? Check I think back. they, I, I love the fact that it's only like an hour and a half flight, two hours from Dallas to Columbus. I think that's a big plus for the Buckeyes when it comes to overcoming that uh, thing of like, Oh, you could go to Texas A&M or, or LSU, but Ohio state's not as far away as it seems. Yeah, check back next week. That must be one of those one of those new school, newer Match Gate balls. I don't remember those being on the the original Magic Gate balls. Maybe there are a oh. couple and don't count on it. Wow, you really went there. You really called out my Magic Eight Ball knowledge. So that last question was from Dun Dundee Buckeye. Dundee. Uh, Dundee Buckeye. Again. Seventeen this, miles from my home. This next one is also from Dundee Buckeye, and I'm going to combine it with another one. Um, who is the most underappreciated commit by the public in the 22 class? And from Bucks 15, what current commitment you feel wins the Denzel Burke Award and that they make a big impact early that no one really saw coming? And I, I picked these questions because these are the ones that I, these are two that I thought were pretty interesting because I, my feeling on the Denzel Burke Award and underappreciated would be Kyan Gray's. Uh, receiver from Arizona. Um, maybe it's just because he was so lowly rated when he started and then the injury uh, uh, tacked on top of it. There's been so, the receiver's class have been so stacked. I feel like he's a little bit underappreciated and I, I think he's going to have a fantastic Ohio State career. I mean, obviously the Chris Olave comparisons uh, that, that we talked about ad nauseum over and over. When we saw him at the opening berm, he just, to me, he strikes me as this guy who he's not like a 4-3 burner, but he's just so smooth, so technically sound, so smart, knows how to get open. He just runs his route so like, meticulously, and he has those soft hands. I think he's going to be a two-year starter at Ohio State. I think he's going to wind up down the road as being – Ohio State fans are going to know him as whatever quarterback is his quarterback the two years they starts. He's going to be his quarterback's favorite target because he's going to be the most reliable. That's my opinion on him. Um, maybe, maybe there's a couple other guys that you guys think uh, underappreciated or wins the Denzel Burke Award. 
Andrew? Yeah, I mean, my, my pick would be uh, Kai Stokes. You know, he's, I think he received a number of SEC offers, Alabama being one right before he committed to Ohio State. That was one of those weird commitments that kind of came out of the blue. I think he was a three-star. He might be a four-star in the composite rankings now, but safety corner can kind of play anywhere in the secondary. So in a class where there aren't many lower rated guys, and I would kind of put him in that tier, he's probably the one that stands out the most to me as somebody we're not talking about enough. Uh, to me, it's probably Bennett Christian. And I, I just, I don't know why, again, he's a top, he's like number seven ranks tight end in the country. He's six foot six, he's 240 pounds. He plays in an extremely run heavy offense right now. And so I think that keeps him from getting some of the national pub as a pass catcher, as a tight end. But the Buckeyes tight end situation after this season is very bizarre. And I think that as a, as a tight end, who's actually played tight end where Cade Stover, G Scott, all these other guys haven't. Uh, I think that he has an opportunity to come in and be physically ready to play uh, more so than a kid like Sam Hart did when he came to Ohio state this season, he wasn't really physically ready. And, and Joe Royer's had some injury issues. So I, I think that the uh, Bennett is probably one for me and, Beyond that, uh, I, I guess I'm going to go with Jair Brown. I think that, you know, the Buckeyes need have shown that they really like having that slot corner type. And if we're talking about the Denzel Burke Award, I think a kid like Jair, who's a real physical uh, interior inside cornerback, can make that difference. We got time for one more question, Zach, before we're going to bounce. What is it? Yep. And real quick, Ben and Christian was the other guy I had written down for all the reasons you said. I really think you can make an impact that blocking tight end. I think, yeah, exactly. Hit, uh, on the money there. Uh, gonna ask two two of these guys' question combined into one. He sent it. He put us uh, down. He put eight questions down. So feel remiss not to ask a couple. Um, of these, this is from FCW. Of these uncommitted guys visiting this weekend in 2022, who is the one guy OSU wants above all, and the most likely Caden, visitor Caden Curry. this weekend or with, within seven days afterward? Caden Curry. I'm just gonna say that for everything. That's just my 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 belief. Yeah, he's my pick as far as the one that Ohio State wants the most. I mean, we've had it, we had him number one on our list back when we did that, and nothing has changed. Do you, do you guys think it's the same one for both? He would be the most likely visitor to commit uh, within seven days after this visit? Because with Caden Curry, I, I know he still has that Alabama uh, official visit set up for next weekend when they play LSU. He he said before that he want he had a he wants to wait until the uh, his team's playoffs are over before kind of uh, focusing on recruiting and like kind of put the spotlight on him. So we, I mean, we have Xavier Wampa, who's December 8th decision date. Zion Branch has an Alabama visit uh, for that same LSU game coming up. Those are three of the biggest ones. Hero Canoe. So yeah, Curry, Curry would not be my pick for that. My pick for that would be Carson Hinsman. Seems like he's trying to narrow that down between Ohio state and Wisconsin. If he's there, smart. he's in, that'd be my pick. You're right. You're smart. Andrew smart. Follow him. Teddy Eisman on Twitter. Zach Carpenter, Jeremy Birmingham. This has been Talking Stuff. Thanks for watching. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.